We have a tradition of reading scripture before the message. We always invite someone from the congregation to read it. We set this up. And today, we have got Oliver Nelson. And he's going to be sharing the reading of Psalm chapter 1 for us. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on, his and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I suspect, thank you Oliver with that, that I should probably be preaching on the sin of pride since he's my grandson. So... We will uh, perhaps ignore that today. Will you join me in prayer as we look to the Lord? Father, we do come to the throne of grace today, uh, preparing to look into your word, uh, seeking the wisdom that you have for us in Psalm 1. Lord, we don't know the author except that you are the ultimate author. And that, Lord, in this psalm, you give us a path. And I just pray that today, as we listen to your word, we'll examine our hearts to find the path, the path that we are on, the path that we should follow. And I would pray that you would be with me as I bring the message today. In Christ's name I pray these things, Lord. Amen. Well, as Josh informed us, we are starting a new series of sermons uh, today. We're going to be looking at selected psalms over the next few weeks. Uh, different re uh, people are going to be preaching, uh, telling you about the psalm that they have chosen giving us some wisdom and insight there. And since I'm the first up, I thought, well, what better one to go with than Psalm 1? Because Psalm 1 is really uh, the gateway, if you will. It's the introduction to the entire book of Psalms, that along with uh, Psalm 2. And I thought, we'll start there because uh, we are looking down a path. We are all walking a path through life. Psalm 1, or Psalm 1 here, uh, is a guide to the path that we're going to be walking, and it's a gateway, I think, that we are going to want to walk through. Um, my brother uh, is retired now. He hasn't been retired too long, but he and his wife, since he retired, uh, have kind of decided that their mission in life is to visit every national park in the United States. They want to go to all the parks in all 50 states, and they actually have a big map at home. It's a wooden map. And every time they go to a new national park, they get a coin or they get a medallion and they pop it in there. And I have to admit that I'm not quite that uh, adventuresome, but I have started going to some uh, national parks and enjoying them. We go to state parks occasionally, see the sites. And one of the things that I've noticed is that when you go to a park like that, 
one of the big national parks or one of the state parks. Invariably, when you come up to it, there's a ranger station right at the entrance. And you get to the ranger station and you stop and they will ask if you've got your national uh, park passport with you and they will tell you what's going on. Invariably, what they will do is they will go back into the little ranger hut and they'll come out with a paper map on and, uh, for you and it's got little check marks and it's got little red X's on it. Kind of just shows you the places to go, the places not to go when you're going into the park. Get you all ready uh, and if you know kind of where you want to go, got some ideas. If you don't know where you want to go, it shows you where the good sites are. It also shows you the places to avoid. Uh, maybe there's a bridge out on one of the roads or uh, maybe there is a fire alert in another area. Whatever. It's a nice map to have. And I was thinking of that as I was looking at Psalm 1 and as I was preparing my message because Psalm 1 is a lot like that. Psalm 1 is, if you will, uh, the booth, the ranger station, as we get into the book of Psalms. It's the station where you go, and as you read through it, you get a kind of a glimpse of what lies ahead, but you also get a glimpse of the things to avoid on the trip and uh, the best places to go when you go in there. You got your crosses, you got your check marks, you got all of the things that maybe you want to see or think about or do. And so as I was looking at it, it dawned on me that this is a lot like a pathway that we're looking at here. And indeed, it's a pathway that ultimately leads through a gateway that we want to uh, be aware of and that we want to work our way to. So I thought today, I'm going to start with a poem. This is a poem that many of us are familiar with. I'm enough of an age that I remember memorizing it uh, when I was in fourth grade. And I also remember the poet because uh, in 1961, he read poetry at the inauguration of John Kennedy. His name's Robert Frost. And this is the poem he wrote that has to do with paths. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though it was for that the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I ever should come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And so today, as we look at Psalm 1, let's take a look at the paths that the ranger station is opening up to us. And the first thing I want you to know is that the path of the righteous is the one that leads through and to the gateway. But the path of the righteous is also not the path that's easily trod. It's not the path that has got most of the traffic 
it's rougher. You know, if you look down a path that people have walked on, or if you go to a park, or if you go hiking, you can always tell where the popular ones are because they're worn, they're flat. The stones have been kind of worn down or even pushed off to the side. But the one that may lead where you need to go, if it's not the one that's tread most, is usually the one that still has rocks in it. It's the one where the dirt hasn't been tread down smooth, but still has lumps and bumps in it. And that's what we're taking a look at, because if the path of the righteous leads to the gateway, the first thing we have to understand is that it's a path of discernment. It is a path that requires discernment. And that's what you see in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not on the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. As you start, you might think, you know, blessed is the man, and it tells you all of the good things he's done. But here, our psalmist, on the, as he's getting us on the path, says, no, blessed is the man who is, first of all, not doing these things. It says, walk not in the counsel of the wicked. And so the first question for you this morning, as we look at this, is who do you listen to? Who in your life is it's that surrounds you? And I'm not just talking family, not just talking close friends, but at work. Who do you listen to? When you're on the radio, who do you listen to? When you are reading, who do you listen to? Ask yourself that question. What voices am I hearing? Because if we're not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, we have to learn to ignore the counsel of the wicked. We have to learn and understand that they're out there. And it's really kind of easy to unknowingly hear their counsel. But when you recognize it, that's when you reject it. You walk away from it. Walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Just means basically don't surround yourself with people who aren't teaching you or telling you or encouraging you in the things that you need to be doing in the things that God has called you to do. Don't surround yourself with those people. And even more, I would suggest you want to be careful of the people who are around you and ask yourself the question we ask a lot, are they toxic? It's very easy sometimes to recognize the toxic people that are around. And the hard thing is having recognized not to walk in their counsel, not to just sit and listen to them, not to just let them spread their toxicity, to actively reject it. That's what he's talking about when he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Just don't, don't, don't be around it. Get rid of it. As far and as much as you're able, don't listen to it. But he gives us a second thing to concern ourselves with. He says, not only don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but he says, stand not in the way of sinners. Proverbs 1.10 if you listen to what Solomon says, says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Because you see, it's one thing not to walk in the way of the wicked, of the counsel of the wicked. You see them, and you go on your way, and you don't follow them. But if you stand in the way of sinners, if you stand in the way of sinners, you're listening. It means you're giving ear. It means you've decided maybe they have something to say to me. Maybe they're telling me things that I need to know or I should hear. Maybe they're giving me guidance that's better, that's easier. That's why it says, my son of sinners entice you, do not consent. If you're listening to them, 
if they're calling you down there. And indeed, Solomon goes on in Proverbs 4 and verse 14, and he says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. As I read that poem, the poet, and by the way, it was Robert Frost, was talking about a man who was in uh, the woods hiking, and he comes to the path where it's a place where it splits, and it specifically says that he stands and he looks at both paths. He looks down this one. He looks down that one, and he's considering which way he wants to go. And what I would suggest Scripture is saying to us is that <clears throat> we want to do that. We want to look down the paths, but if the path we see is the path of wickedness, we want to avoid it. We want to stay away from it. We don't want to walk down that path. We want to look to the other one and walk down it and avoid the first one. Because if we're standing and if we're considering and we're saying, you know what? Boy, that path, that looks smoother and it looks like more people have gone on it. And, you know, it looks like it'd be an easier walk. We're starting to consider sin. We're standing in the way of sinners and we're considering what they've done or what they're enticing us to do, whatever it may be in your life. And we're thinking about it and we're saying, yeah, maybe there's, maybe I should go that way. And the psalm is pretty clear not to do that. It says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked and don't stand once you know what the counsel is and look at it and consider it and think about it and mull it over. And the third thing that he says is do not sit in the seat of scoffers. You see this, when you get to this one in Psalm 1 and in verse 1, this is the person who not only has walked in the council of sinners and has stood with them and listened to what they advised and said, this seems like a good idea, I'm going to do this, and has gone with them down the path and now is sitting at a place, the seat of scoffers. When it talks about sitting in the seat of scoffers, you're asking yourself, what's that mean? Does it just mean I'm sort of sitting in my chair scoffing? The answer is no. Somebody who sits in a seat in Scripture is somebody who is teaching, who is ruling, who is giving law, who is leading others. It's like sitting in the throne of a king. It's like sitting in the seat of a judge. Uh, if you're an Old Testament fan, it's sitting in the gates of the city where people come and seek your wisdom and seek your opinion. It's talking about if you've listened, if you've stood with them, now you're sitting with them and you're endorsing what they're saying. And not only are you endorsing it in your life, but you're recommending it to others. You're pushing it out to other people and you want to avoid that because that's taking you right down the wrong path. It's taking you down the way that you don't want to go. That's why blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. But that's also why the path of the righteous is one that requires discernment. You always need to be thinking, who's around me? What are they saying? What am I listening to? What's, am I getting the encouragement I need? Am I getting the education I need? And what am I doing with my life as I live it? What seat am I sitting in? Am I sitting in the seat of the scoffer? Or am I sitting in the seat of the Lord? Am I sitting in the seat where I'm sharing his principles, his guidance, his wisdom? See, that's the first 
thing. And if you're looking at your map going into the national park, this is the one where you see the red X's, where the bridge is out, where the fire danger lays. It's the one you don't want to go down. It's the place you don't want to visit. But then he says in verse 2, but the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Carolyn and I, uh, a couple of years ago, went out to visit Bryce, our son. He lives in Seattle. And when we got out there, uh, there is a big national park out there, and it's around Mount Rainier. And you can see Mount Rainier from quite a distance. You can see it from the city. You can see it when you fly in. It's an absolutely gorgeous mountain to look at. And we wanted to go see it. And so we went up uh, with Bryce one day. He drove us to the park. Uh, we went in. And we knew that there were some things there we wanted to see. Obviously, we wanted to see the mountain. mountain was pretty easy. It's hard to miss. But when you get there, it's interesting. On the map that the ranger hands you, there are marked waterfalls. And I wasn't thinking waterfalls at all when we went there. I was just thinking, oh, going to go, going to get a nice look at the mountain, you know, see what it looks like. There's an alpine meadow that was marked on the map in green. And it said, don't miss these things because you don't just drive up to them. They're easy to drive by. So because we had the map, we knew where the waterfall was that was about a quarter of a mile off the road. And we hiked out there, and it was gorgeous. And we got ourselves up to the Alpine Meadow, and we walked through it. And, you, you know, the flowers that were blooming, the grass that was there, the trees that were surrounding it, and it leads to this gorgeous vista of Mount Rainier. And it, uh, it's just worth everything. But we might have missed it if we didn't have the map, if we didn't have the little suggestion, go here, do this. And that's what our psalmist is telling us in verse 2. He says, your delight is in the law of the Lord. He's saying, I've told you what to avoid. The sinners, the scoffers. This is what you want to get involved with. This is what you want to see. I want you to see the Lord. And I want you to see the word of the Lord. And I want you to get into it. Because I want you not just to read it like it's a duty. But I want you to read it so that it becomes a pleasure. So that you see the things that you might not see just looking at a map. But you go there and you see the beauty of the scripture because he's pointing it out to us. He's telling us it's there. That's the direction. That's the path he wants us to go because that's the path that is involved with engagement. He wants us to look and see the beauty of the word of the Lord. And not only that, but he wants us to meditate on it. He says day and night. He's not talking about you know going off into the desert day and night and doing nothing but thinking about Scripture. But he is saying that in the day, when you have a time, think about Scripture. Just think about Scripture you've read, maybe memorized, maybe you've heard. Put it in your mind. Meditate on it. Let it marinate up there. Because when you're doing that, you're beginning to see the beauty of the Lord's Word. You're beginning to see the beauty he's talking about and learning the delight of the law of the Lord. And as you're doing that, you're also finding the path that leads away from the sinners. You're not standing in their presence. You're not walking their path. You're not sitting in their seats because 
your path is taking you where you should be standing with the righteous, with God. It's taking you where you should be walking. It's taking you to sit in the seat of the disciple, the one who's learning, the one who is hearing from the Lord, the one who's finding the path. And as you're doing that, you are beginning to see the real glory of the Lord. I mentioned that Psalms, Psalm 1 is the introduction to the Psalms. And if you will listen to what he says here and take the time perhaps to read a Psalm a day, just one Psalm a day, you will be amazed at the vistas that you see. You'll be amazed at the wisdom and knowledge as it opens up to you about Jesus Christ, about yourself, who you are, what you need, and how your needs are met. You'll be amazed as you look. Just like when I walked into that Alpine Valley and was able to look at Mount Rainier from a different perspective, I was amazed at the beauty and glory of what I was seeing. This is what he's talking about. Walk the path of the righteous and walk it through the book of Psalms and see exactly how glorious it is. It's a path of engagement. You have to engage with the word. You have to engage with God. You have to engage with other Christians. That's how you walk that path. And then he tells you what's at the end of the path in verse 3. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. As you walk the path of the righteous, first by not walking the path of sin, second by engaging with the Lord and with his word and with his people, all of a sudden, as I said, you walk the path and you begin to see and you begin to be blessed. You begin to reap the treasures and the glory. Seeing Mount Rainier as I did, it is a magnificent thought. It's a magnificent sight and one I, I enjoy. But seeing it also is something that changes you. All of a sudden, and for me, talking about nature, coming into that alpine valley, looking at that mountain, it was more than just seeing a glorious sight. It was standing there and all of a sudden having this realization, good Lord, look at what God has created. Look at the beauty that I am surrounded by. Look at the hand of God, what he has done with just a word. And as I moved on from that thought, that same God is in, my, is in me through the Holy Spirit. That same God that created Mount Rainier, that made that meadow so beautiful is also the one who's looking at me and who is in my life through the Holy Spirit and who is shaping me into what he wants me to be because I'm walking that path of righteousness. And as he shapes me, as he molds me, as he changes me, he's changing me into something that in its own way is as magnificent as Mount Rainier. And as you walk the path, he's doing the same thing to you also. He's not just molding me. He's molding every one of you. He is carving. He is chipping. He is molding the clay. And he is turning you into something not mundane. He's not turning you into something ordinary. He's turning you into something magnificent as you walk the path of righteousness.
See, that's what this psalm tells us. That's what we're doing. When we walk the path of righteousness, it takes us through the gateway. It takes us through the gateway into the psalms, but it takes us even more through the gateway into the knowledge of God and who he is and what he's doing and what riches we take away from that. But the other side of it is this. If the path of the righteous leads to the gateway, the path of the sinner leads to oblivion. The path of the evil leads to oblivion. Verses 4 and 5, it's interesting. They take up a very small part of the psalm. We spent three long verses looking at blessed is the man. The wicked get two short verses. The wicked are not so. In one half of one verse, he wipes out everything we talked about in the first three verses because the wicked aren't blessed and they don't have any of this. They don't have the warnings. They don't have the endeavor. They don't have the beauty and they don't have the gift. The wicked is not so. Indeed, they are like the shaft that the wind drives away. And the wicked will not stand on the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I read verse 3. Let me read a passage out of the book of Jeremiah that talks about the same place except what it looks like from the view of the wicked. Jeremiah says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. We've been talking a lot about nature. I have a brother-in-law who lives in Phoenix. And the desert can be a very beautiful place. But when you go out, you also see how barren, how dry, how desolate it is. You see, it's not like the garden he talks about in verse 3. It's a cold, or not cold, it's a hot, dry, dusty place. It has very little color to it beyond brown. Different shades of brown, but brown. It has very little except rock or sand, or dirt. There's no grass. There's no covering that's out there. It's a dry place, and it's not productive. It's nothing. And by the way, when I talk about the path of the wicked that leads to oblivion, who really are the wicked? Sometimes it's easy when we read Psalms to think, oh, the wicked, that's somebody who's very, very evil, whose evil shows through, who's very, very bad, uh, you know, we think of the Hitlers, or we think of the murderers, or we think of the shooters. We think of those people as wicked, and they are. But we forget that ultimately, the wicked are simply those that seek to live independently of God, to turn away from his wisdom. They're constantly trying to reinvent the wheel so they can get through the gateway, but they can never find it. They're the ones who know the difference. And if we're looking at them, I would suggest this. If the blessed man is the one who walks in discernment, the wicked is the one who does not walk in discernment. He does not think about the voices around him. He does not think about the path 
that they want him to go down. He listens to the toxicity that they bring with them. He finds his encouragement to do evil in their words because he listens to them and he chooses not to listen to the Lord. He listens to them as they entice him, encourage him down the path. They're people of no wisdom because so often they will hear those people that they have no discernment with, and what they're saying to them sounds like wisdom, but it ultimately leads nowhere, nowhere. So many of us know people who aren't Christians, people who are kind, are nice, but people who ultimately are unhappy, people who are ultimately not satisfied in everything they try, every new thing that they try that they think is going to change their life or change their ways or bring meaning to them fails. And so they get more and more depressed or apathetic or pessimistic. But what they don't have is joy. What they don't have is that sense of the beauty of the world and the sense of God within them. And so they have nothing, nothing at all, because they are ultimately wind up in a place where they have no peace. And when I say peace, I'm not talking about, you know, just sitting and quietly enjoying. I'm just talking about they have no peace because ultimately they are unsatisfied and even more, they're unfulfilled. You go back to verse 3 for just a second. You read about the man who's like the tree, planted by the water, has its fruit, is able to get through the drought. This is someone who's fulfilled. They have fulfillment in their life. They have fulfillment knowing that their life has a purpose that even though they may not be fulfilling it perfectly, they are fulfilling a purpose. They know that the God of the universe has a place for them and a plan for them, and they're following it. They know that ultimately, no matter what happens around them, they're safe. They're fulfilled. The person that does not have this is not. They don't have that peace. They have no fulfillment. The reason they keep going to newer and newer things and different things and different people and different mates is because they're always searching for the fulfillment that they're never going to find out there in the desert. That's never going to be there for them because ultimately it comes in the word of the Lord. It's interesting that the psalmist describes them as chaff. Chaff is something that's about as worthless as you get. If you read about it in the Bible when it talks about the chaff, normally what it's talking about is when the uh, Jews would harvest the wheat or harvest the barley. They would take the bundles of it and uh, in order to use it, you got to get basically the grains, the seeds of the wheat uh, and the barley. And so they would go to a place that had a big flat rock and they would take a big bundle of wheat and they would beat it on the rock. And while they're beating it, the shaft is breaking loose. And very quickly, since it's so light and so useless, it just kind of up and floats away. If there's a breeze, you can see the chaff just blowing away as it goes. And what's left is the good grain, the good grain that will make flour that they can use for their bread, that they can use for their food. And as they beat it, and if there's no wind blowing, it just sits on the rock. 
and it just quietly sits there. And they gather up all of the grain and the good seeds, and then they just toss a match and poof, like that, it's gone. Because it burns, and it's of no use. It burns, but it doesn't even really provide heat. It doesn't provide cooking ability. It's nothing. It just is gone, like that, whether you burn it or whether it blows away. That's what the wicked are like. They're just driven away. And that's a scary thing. They are driven away. It comes down to this. The question that faces each and every one of us from the psalm, and that is, where's your path leading? I talk about uh, the psalm being the gate, the psalm one being the gateway to the psalms, but it's also the gateway to wisdom. It's the gateway to knowing God, to knowing who He is, to knowing what He does in your life. And the question is, what pathway are you walking today? Are you walking with discernment? Are you walking with wisdom? Are you knowing, even in a small way perhaps, the peace that comes from being with him? Or is your path one of constantly seeking fulfillment and never finding it? Is the path you're on today one where you're constantly going and doing and changing, but never arriving, never getting anywhere? And I would suggest that if you're on that second path, that the place to go is the first three verses. And ask yourself, who am I hanging out with? Who's talking to me? Ask yourself the question, where am I standing in my life? Where am I standing? And what am I considering in my life? And the next question to ask is what is my wisdom? The next question to ask is where am I sitting in my life? Because when you answer those questions, you'll start to answer the question of which path you're on. And ultimately, as it tells us in verse 6, the question of which path you're on is an eternal question. It's not a question of just finding fulfillment right now or today or in this life. It's a question of eternity because it ends up in verse 6 that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows if you're on the way of the righteous and you may be stumbling and you may be struggling and you may be having difficulty walking a path that it doesn't seem like many people have walked before. But the Lord knows that path. The Lord is leading you down it. The Lord is doing the work I talked about in you. And he knows and he will reward it. And he will reward it in e for eternity. But the path of the wicked, it may be smooth, it may be easy, and there may be a whole lot of company walking down the path with you. But look at the people around. Are they fulfilled? Are they satisfied? Are they happy? Do they know peace? And they won't because ultimately the path they're walking is the path that leads to death, eternal death, outside the presence of the Lord. The path they're walking is a path not of joy, 
but of judgment. So when I ask you the question, when I tell you to think and to look at your life and say, what path am I walking? Think it through seriously because it makes an eternal difference. Listen to what the psalmist says. And even if you feel like you're on the wrong path, guess what? You can always turn. There's nothing that says you have to stay on it. Nothing that locks you into it. You can change the coordinates on the GPS. You can look at the map and say, you know what? The path is reading me to one of those places with the red X. And I want to be going to where the blue check is so that I can see the beauty. You can always change it. And the way to change it is right up there. The way to change it is delighting in the law of the Lord. The way to change it is to meditate on it. The easiest way to change it, and I will set this as a goal for each one of you right now, read a psalm a day. It doesn't take too long. But read a psalm a day seeking the wisdom. Take five minutes. Meditate on it if you have some time. And that will put you on the path of the righteous. And if you're not on the path of the righteous, guess what? It will tell you that, and it will show you how to get there. Let's go ahead and close in prayer, shall we? Father, we do come to the throne of grace tonight, thankful for your wisdom. Thankful, Lord, that as we see you, that you, we can know you are doing a work in us a work of grandeur, and that, Lord, what a blessing that is to have. Be with us this week, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.